morning. We'd like to welcome you to Fort Savelle Corn Baptist Church on this beautiful Lord's Day. We celebrate not only our 234th anniversary or birthday, but we celebrate that today is also part of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came and we welcome the Holy Spirit into this place as we welcome you into this place. And I can't think of a better way to celebrate our church's anniversary and birthday than by beginning with believers baptism. I'm so humbled and honored today to baptize these three who come to be baptized and so grateful today that Martha Armstrong comes to be baptized. I know a lot of you all know Martha. Uh, Martha has been a faithful servant in this church for many years. And not too long ago, Martha came to me and she said, Todd, would you baptize me? And I said, Martha, I would be honored. But I said, haven't you been baptized? She said, you know what? I have felt the, the Holy Spirit leading me to have a, a fresh start, a rejuvenation, a rededication of my life. I was young when I made that commitment. And she said, I, I want to be baptized and have a, a fresh start with the Lord. And, uh, and what did you say Rick Warren's quote was? Make the rest of your life the best of your life. Make the rest of your life the best of your life. So I am humbled and honored today, Martha, to baptize you. And Martha, I ask everyone who come into these waters, is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? He has been and he is still. Amen. Then it is my privilege to baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. I'm so grateful that a couple of weeks ago a family came forward. It was the Fish family, and I'm so grateful today that Haley and McKenna Fish are coming to be baptized after making their public profession of faith. And not only are they coming to be baptized, but I'm so grateful that their parents, Billy and Stacy Fish, are joining this church family today. And so we welcome them into this family of faith. I think it's beautiful that these sisters are being baptized together. Haley Fish comes to be baptized. One more. Haley, I'm so proud of you and your sister, and we welcome you and your family. Haley, I ask you, as I did Martha, is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? And upon your profession of faith in him, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So thankful that McKenna Fish comes to be baptized. McKenna, again, we're so proud of you and Haley and your family and what a wonderful day this is. We celebrate with you. McKenna, I ask you, as I did the others, is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? And upon your profession of faith in him, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. 
May we pray together, God, what a glorious day this is. To God be the glory, great things you have done. Father, would you bless Martha and Haley and McKenna and bless others who are here today to support them and to pray for them and to love them. Father, we also welcome Billy and Stacy as they join this family of faith. And Lord, if there are others here today that have never given their hearts and lives to you, may today a, a prayer that's prayed, a song that's sung, an encouraging message would penetrate into their hearts that others would come to know you in a real and personal way. But God, we just ask that your presence would be here among us. Anoint everything we say and do. We dedicate this service to you. And we'll give you all the glory in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. It's my joy and privilege to welcome you here today. Thank you for being here. Happy birthday, Forks. 234 years ministering in this area, in this community. What a great day it is. And we're glad that you've joined us. If you are a guest today, we welcome you. And we would remind you that as you leave today, there's a, a gift for you out on the Welcome Center. Just pick up that bag. It has the gift inside and a lot of other information that may you may want to know. And if you have any questions, we'll be happy to find you an answer if we don't have one. But thank you for being here. And thank all of you who have joined us by live stream. We welcome you today, too. And we pray that you and everybody in this room feels God's presence as we worship him today. Take a moment to stand and greet those around you in the name of the Lord today. This morning at this time, I'm going to draw your attention to the screens. Happy birthday, boys. Really good for 234. <laughs> This morning, we're honored to have Doug Hamlin, who's the mission strategist for the Franklin Baptist Association, to come and say a few words. Doug, we welcome you, and we thank you for being here. Doug's mother, Julia, was with us for a while, and uh, that we've kind of have that connection, and we're yes. glad to see you, Doug. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
I am Doug Hamblin, your associational mission strategist for the Franklin Baptist Association. 234 years. Oh my gosh. That, yeah. Something you may not know, the Franklin Baptist Association was not started until 1815. So, and Forks was a charter member of the churches that formed Franklin Baptist Association. Yeah, that's, that's, that's something to be proud of. And guess what? I looked over some records. The last 10 years, Forks has baptized 511 people. That's 50, average of 50 plus people a year. And you just baptized three today. Yeah. You've given over $500,000 to missions uh, over the past 20 years. So, uh, Forks, from the association, we just want to say we thank you, we celebrate with you, and we love you. So, this is a wonderful day, and you all should be proud. Thank you. Thank you, Doug. We're glad to have you. And one of your predecessors is here today, Howard Bowman. Howard, we're glad to have you with us today as well. Thank you for coming. God's mercies are new every morning. His compassions are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Stand and join as we sing, Great is Thy Faithfulness.
continue to join us in worship as our worship team leads us.
seated. What an awesome day this is. And you know, what a beautiful song, a reminder, Jesus, draw me close. God's word tells us that when we draw close to him, he draws close to us. And I'm so grateful for his presence in this place as well as yours. Doug, I appreciate you all being here today and for your kind words to God be the glory, great things he hath done for his faithfulness and blessing this church for 234 years. Amazing, God's faithful people keeping God's church open through some mean, lean, and difficult days and to see what God has done. We can't praise him and thank him enough for great is his faithfulness. And we know a big part of that is the prayers of his people we are a praying church. We believe in the power of prayer. Do you believe in prayer today? We believe that God is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. And every week, if you're in this place and if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook Live, you can pray wherever you may be. But we have a time where if you feel led, you can come to this altar to pray. You can kneel, you can stand, you can stand from where you are sitting today. And we lift up our prayers and praise to a faithful, loving God. And today, if the Holy Spirit is prompting you to come, I invite you to come join me as we lift up our prayers together. Would you come pray with me today? together oh God words are not adequate to express our humble gratitude for everything you have done for us and this church for all these years you're a faithful God Lord sometimes we make mistakes we drop the ball we are unfaithful but we never doubt that you are always faithful. You are always there. You promise never will you leave us, never will you forsake us. Thank you, O oh Lord, for that promise. 
God, folks have come to this altar today that are grieving, hurting, worried, afraid. Some praying on behalf of a loved one, a family member, or friend. Oh God, meet us right where we are in our suffering, in our grief, in our sickness, in our depression, in our addiction, in our loneliness, in our pride, in our guilt, in our sin. Meet us where we are. Lord, today we remember those who are grieving. Father, I pray for David and Julie Clark and the loss of David's mother. May they feel your comfort and your strength even now. Father, we continue to pray for those families in Texas that are grieving the loss of their children and loved ones. Oh God, comfort them. Give them a gentle peace that passes all understanding. Father, we continue to pray for this nation and this state that you would bring great revival and spiritual awakening and may it begin in each of our hearts. God, remove anything from our hearts and lives that are impure or unholy because we desire to be more like Jesus. Help us to fix our eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. God, thank you for giving William Hickman the vision 234 years ago to begin this church. And for those who followed and for the faithful God who kept these doors open, Father, we are so grateful and humbled by everything you have done. And Lord, I pray today for people that are suffering from sickness or illness. We have several, God, on the threshold of making that transition into their eternal life, comfort their families, and if it be your will, even perform a miracle of healing, which we know the ultimate healing is to be with you. And I pray, God, if there are folks watching or here today that have never received Christ as their Lord and Savior, may today be the day of salvation for someone, for many, and that we would not be ashamed of you because you are not ashamed to die for us on the cross. So, Father, I pray now that your Holy Spirit would continue to move. And, God, we're so grateful for our special guest today. And ask, God, that you would anoint and bless him and speak in and through him to us. And, Father, we'll just give you again the praise and the glory and the honor. Bless and anoint our choir and instrumentalists as they lead. And, God, that we would be reminded how great you truly are. We love you, Lord, and pray all these things in the strong and holy name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Today, I am so honored to introduce to you the one who is going to introduce our special guest. Uh, this is our homecoming, our birthday, our anniversary, and we wanted to do something special. And as we were praying about God's direction, 
I've had such uh, great respect for these two guys are gonna come up here for many, many uh, years now. So many of you are familiar with Dave Baker, Dave Buzz Baker. I know many of you have watched him on WKYT do sports or, or as an anchor and, and uh, been involved with UK athletics for many, many years. It was my privilege almost a year ago to perform Dave and Donna's wedding on the steps of the chapel across the street. And I'm so grateful that Dave and Donna are faithful to come each Sunday, usually up in this section of the balcony, usually running about five minutes late, Dave. <laughs> and I'm so grateful that I reached out to Dave Baker and I said, Dave, I have such great respect for Mitch Barnhart, not only for what he's done for the University of Kentucky and for the state of Kentucky as being an ambassador, but I said also have respect for him that he is a follower of Jesus Christ and an ambassador for the kingdom of God. And I said, do you think you could check and just see if his schedule might permit him to come. Well, Dave Baker uh, thankfully reached out and, uh, and praise the Lord, he had a plan to bring it all together. And I've asked Dave Baker that again, I so appreciate Dave, your willingness to help us on this special day. I've asked Dave if he would come give an introduction to our special guest and then following Dave's introduction, the choir will be leading us in a beautiful anthem. And then following that, our guest will come to speak. But Dave, if you would come at this time, let's show our appreciation to Dave Baker being here today. Thank you all for being here. This is really uh, out of my comfort zone, I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm much more comfortable being in the balcony, much more comfortable being on that side of the pulpit than on this side of the pulpit. But I will say I've learned some new things. It's the first time we've been here on time to see baptism, so that was really good. <laughs> we've been coming a lot and hadn't seen him, and I'm really glad to know that Todd knows that I'm, w, I'm on WKYT because Don and I have sat in the balcony, we've heard him quote Fox 56, and we've heard him quote WLEX and all those stations, and, but I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad, whatever it takes. Um, we've really been blessed uh, to be here and to call this our church home. And you may have heard that I just passed 40 years at WKYT and 35 years on the UK network. What that shows, stop, stop. That shows just how shallow the talent pool is in Lexington right now. Uh, but I've been blessed to be a part of that UK sports network for 35 years. And that means I've covered like five Final Fours and three national championships. And I've worked with all kinds of people. I was looking the other day, worked with five UK presidents, seven basketball coaches, seven football coaches, and four different athletic directors. And I've seen them celebrate championships. I've seen them in their worst moments. I've, I've, I've had the unfortunate task of talking to them when they've been let go. And I can tell you that beyond a shadow of a doubt, Mitch Barnhart is the best person and the finest professional uh, that I have ever been ever seen. I'm going to tell you a couple things. He's going to get mad at me because I want to tell you this because he won't tell you. Uh, he was hired in 2002. And so what he's done is he's poured his heart and soul into the university and to the student athletes, not only him, but his, but his whole family. One of the very first conversations we had 
and I don't know if he remembers this or not, we were talking about what he wanted to do. And when he was hired, there were head coaches at the University of Kentucky that did not have full medical benefits in some of the uh, Olympic sports. And if you were coaching tennis or softball or something, I mean, these people were like part-time employees. And he said he wanted to change that. Um, everybody said Kentucky was uh, a basketball school. And in 2013, he hired this Stoops guy, and it's been the most successful uh, football run that they've ever had. Absolutely. <laughs> Todd talked about this, uh, but Mitch, uh, besides what he's done at Kentucky, uh, what he has uh, done nationally is, is nothing short of incredible. He was the chair of the Division I basketball championships right at the time COVID hit. And so that money is important. And, and I won't get into it here, but all those dollars that are generated from basketball and football, they go to fund the other sports and for other student athletes to compete. And so they needed that television revenue. So Mitch and his committee came up with the idea of having that NCAA tournament in the bubble in Indianapolis so that they didn't lose it. And, and more than that though, and I know Todd, you went through this too, but more than that, he took care of his people. There were schools around the country that were cutting sports and they were cutting staff. And, and Mitch, more than anything, uh, made sure that his staff was okay. Uh, I, I think, Todd, that you guys would have a lot in common because I can't think of two jobs where you were more second guests during COVID than being a preacher or the athletics director at the University of Kentucky. Uh, his kids graduate. Uh, he, is, he is now the senior athletics director and has been for a while in the SEC. Uh, he, he's totally turned over those facilities at UK. And, and, and more than that, you know, you talk about what you do. Um, you, you know, his, his family is, is just incredible, but it's not just his family who's here with him today. It, it's his family at the university. Guys that have worked with him now, and I think my number's right, and tell me if I'm wrong, I think there are seven different athletics directors at major universities around the country who learned what it was all about from Mitch. And now Mitch's son Scott is down there uh, at Murray State uh, with Kevin Saul, who I think is going to be a big-time athletics director as well, learning the family business. He's, he's now on the college football playoff committee which everybody talks about that and all the money it generates. And, and I, could, I could be wrong, but in my time, I don't remember anybody who's ever chaired the basketball committee and the football committee, and Mitch will do that uh, before uh, he's finished. But seriously, the reason Todd and I wanted him here is not because of that. I don't want to make anybody mad, but I saw a couple of motorcycles outside. I think they were Hondas, but I, I don't know. But you've heard people say before that when you hear a Harley-Davidson motor, you know instantly it's a Harley. Well, when you see Mitch and Connie and their family, you know instantly that they are a family of God. And I have seen Mitch. He's happy to talk to anybody about his faith, but he doesn't go around preaching. He lives it every day. It is an incredible walk that he and his family has. He has a deep commitment to people and things that he believes. Um, you, you know, he, he, I've seen him show uncommon grace to people that didn't deserve it. That would not be John Higgins, that referee who called that game a couple of years ago. <laughs> but, 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 but still, he showed more grace than some people did. Um, 
you know, and, and the case in point is when, when you work in sports, you don't get a lot of time off on the weekends. You really don't get a lot of time off on the weekends. And so Mitch has just been at the SEC meetings in Destin uh, where they've been trying to figure out football scheduling uh, and, and all sorts of stuff. But when I asked him about this, he didn't hesitate. And I told this to Todd in the back. He, he didn't do it because of me. He did it because he never misses an opportunity uh, to talk about his faith. Um, so Kirby is here with Mackenzie and the three boys. Gunner is the youngest, and I, I think Gunner is going to be a player. That's not anything against the other two boys. Connie is amazing. I have seen this family. Mitch will be at a game. Okay, let's talk about the spring. It'll be like freezing cold, and Mitch will be over at the complex watching baseball, and Connie will have Kirby and the kids over at softball supporting those folks. And, and they're just there because they take seriously. When people go into homes and say, we're gonna take care of your son or daughter if you let them come here, they take that seriously. Uh, so they're here with Mackenzie. Uh, Blair's husband, Andrew, right, is out running in a marathon in San Diego today. It's probably because of Mitch. I'm sure he feels incredible pressure to keep up with him because he does all this stuff too. He jumps out of planes. He's climbed Kilimanjaro. He watches UFC. I don't, I think Connie's been able to keep him out of that ring. Uh, but uh, after our choir comes forward, uh, we're going to hear from Mitch. And I know he is going to bless us today the way that he and Connie and that family have blessed them ever since they've come into my life. So thank you very much. And we look forward to hearing from you.
awesome. That's awesome. Well, it's great to be with you. I, uh, Buzz, I've, he's talked about how he's five minutes late and in the balcony all the time. This was about his best opportunity we had to be on time in our, our church experience in a long time. We go across town and we're five minutes away now. I said, honey, I think we can make this one. We can do it. <laughs> we can do it. And we did. We were good. We good. We made it. No, it's, uh, it's wonderful to be here. We have, as you may or may not know, we have become members of Franklin County and Frankfurt, and uh, we live just across the way and have some property that uh, we are enjoying the quietness and the calm of the Elkhorn. It's been beautiful. 
And uh, we enjoy coming home to the, the peace and quiet of that. So it's been great. And appreciate our new neighbors and everyone that has graciously brought us, uh, let us come into the area. So uh, thank you for having us. We appreciate it. I was, was watching the screen when I came in, and I, I went back and I saw in Nehemiah, the verse for today says, I, and I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good, and also of the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. It's really sort of fascinating. It sort of ties directly into my comments of what I wanted to visit with you about today. And I uh, have several scriptures, all or a couple, two or three, that I'll refer to as I go. I've been at Kentucky for 20 years now. I've been an athletic director for 26 years, working on my 26th year. And uh, I've had the opportunity to go coast to coast in, in, in this profession. And Connie and I have been, we'll be married 40 years this June. And so it's, uh, she's been faithful to, yeah. <laughs> been married 40 years, been together 20. So I've been traveling the other 20. So, uh, uh -huh. That's why it works. No, I'm kidding. She, uh, she's great. She's been unbelievable. We've been all over the place, um, coast to coast. Um, had seven moves in this opportunity, this thing called college athletics, but we have found our home in Kentucky, and we love it here, and this will be the place that we call it quits when it's time. So we're excited about that. Um, I think that one of the things that's been really challenging is how we lead and uh, how we lead in these really crazy times. And what does that mean? And so I've, I talk a lot about that with our, our teams, beyond our teams. I think it's really, really important. I think we're void of that leadership and a lot of times in, in the world that we live in. People want to talk about it, and it's really easy to write books about it. When we lose games, I get like five books a game. You know, you got, you got to figure out how to lead that thing better. Come on, here's a book. Read this. It'll fix it. I promise you. I promise. We win. I don't get a book now. No one says a word. No one says a word. Everybody's quiet, crickets, and just keep going. And then uh, we lost to St. Peter's. I got lots of books. Lots of books. There's lots of books came that week, you know. So I got the whole bookshelf, right? I got it going. And um, it's been, but I, I, I don't know if I've coined it or not. We're going to take credit for it. I'm going to try and patent it or trademark it, whatever they call that. I'm a, there's a term called, I've, I've, I call it generational leadership. And I'm fascinated by that concept, basically meaning that, that as I've gotten older in this profession and I begin to see generations of young people come through our program, what I see is opportunities for us to find the future leaders. I'm, I'm amazed in, in the world of politics that so many times we talk about the face of our future, the future of our country, this that is our youth, yet we spend so little time investing in them and fewer resources investing in them. And we have an expectation that all of a sudden that they're going to be massively successful and different, um, that they're going to have this incredible success pattern when we haven't invested anything in that opportunity. So that's why what you do here at this church is so critically important to our young people. I saw the video of the, of the kids singing happy birthday for 234 years of service. You don't survive 234 years of service without an opportunity to build into young people and build a foundation foundation was built a long time ago, a couple centuries ago here, and it's allowed young people to come out of this church and go serve other places and do remarkable work. And so that's what we're trying to do, whether it's at the University of Kentucky, whether it's at, in our athletic program at the university, uh, whether it's within the teams that we have, we're trying to build future leaders in, in our teams and our companies, our universities, families, the children, our children's children, their children's children, and we want to find places to carry forward. I was in a I was in SEC meetings with 
um, our commissioner and some folks, and there was a, a five-star or four-star general, not five, four-star general, General Funk, and he addressed our, our group. And he finished, and I, because I'm the oldest guy in the room, I got to, ch I got to sit next to the general, which was awesome. And, and so we had an opportunity to chat, and after we finished, I said, hey, General, I said, really, I said, I really appreciate your service to our country. You're, you're remarkable. And what you, your team has done, he brought his whole staff in there. It was really, really neat. And without blinking, he just turned to me and says, you're worth it. He says, you're worth it. I expected a long, protracted answer, something, in fact, I've, I've climbed this mountain. I've been to seven countries. I've represented. I've done this. And he said, just looked at me dead in the eye, and he says, you're worth it. You're worth it. That's what Jesus said to you. You're worth it. You're worth it. He said, quote, if, if you think you're leading and you look behind you and no one's following, you're just out for a really good walk. <laughs> He's right. He's right. So in order to lead others, um, as God has designed, um, you must build a foundation on biblical truth. And I'm sort of fine if I can find my space here. Um, we use a phrase in our department that says simply this, methods are many and principles are few. Methods will always change, your principles never do. We've had five principles in our department for 20 years. I've had the same five principles in, our, in my time as athletic director for 26 years. Same five principles. One, we're gonna be character, they're all biblically based by the way, and you'll see that. First one is you have to have character of the heart. You must have character of the heart, and for all of us that uh, believe in Jesus Christ, that means you have the Holy Spirit that guides every decision that you make. Secondly, you have to have integrity of the brain. Integrity of the brain is different from the character of the heart. Integrity of the brain means you have a knowledge of the rules and the guidelines and the, board, the borders that are out there that have been put there for a good reason. Those for us, those are the, the commandments that Lord, the Lord gave us in the Bible. If we've got to have match those two things up, character of the heart, integrity of the brain. We've got to make those two things work. And we start with our people with that right out of the chute. Third thing, we want to make sure that we continue continual knowledge. We're learners. We're lifelong learners. God doesn't call us once we've been baptized just to stop learning about him. That gives us the opportunity to feed more on his word. And he asks us to be lifelong learners. Fourth thing, we want to be really good stewards of what we've been given. Right? In our world as teams, when I talk to our teams in our locker rooms about being givers, not takers, we want to make sure they're really good givers, not takers. And we're stewards of what the Lord has given us in terms of our resources and our talents. I tell everybody all the time, you can do two things sacrificially. You can give of your time and you can give of your talent. It doesn't matter how much you have of either. You have something to give, and the Lord's asking you to make sure that you give of your time and your talent. The fifth one is you got to compete like crazy. In our world, that's imperative. You must compete or you're going to get beat. But what God's asked us to do is compete for the hearts of people. And that's where I feel like we've been challenged as a family and as, as, as a team at the University of Kentucky. We're, ch we're challenging young people's hearts. We want them to walk out if they give us four years, we'll give them the next 40, and we're asking them to go do the same for others as they go through this whole thing. So it begins with integrity and character, and that allows us to have an opportunity to cast a, a vision for what we want to do. Our UK volleyball team won a national championship about a year ago this time, last spring. Commissioner came when the night we gave them the rings. The commissioner came in, and we, we had a big ceremony in the locker room afterwards or anything like that. And, it's really fascinating because one of the captains of the team, she said, hey, Commissioner, she said, I just want to thank you for allowing us to play. And if we remember, it was through the protocols and the COVID and all, so it was a really, really difficult time. And he, she said, we didn't know if we'd get to play. And she said, she said uh, we were awfully thrilled, obviously, to win a national championship out of that. We trusted you. And he said, what do you mean by that? You trusted me. She goes, well, you 
we, we trusted that you would take care of us and you'd make sure that we were healthy and we could do it in a healthy way and you wouldn't hurt us, you wouldn't put us at risk. The only way that happens is if you don't, if you create the integrity on the front end. Because integrity creates the trust. And out of that trust, then you can cast a vision. If you try and do that backwards and craft a vision first without the other two pieces, it won't work. So a long time ago, someone obviously crafted a, a vision through the integrity for this church, and it obviously has come full circle 234 years later. There's a song that uh, has become very much one of my favorites. It's by a group called Cain, and it's about, it's called The Commission. And uh, it's fascinating, again, going back to the conversations of today. So I get through my, I'm stuck here. There we go. Um, the, the song says, go tell the world about me. Go tell the world about me, a sense of, about what you've talked about here a little bit this morning. Ironically, I pick up the Bible app this morning. It's a song that's been playing over and over in my head. I like it an awful lot. It was one of the things that I thought about visiting part of that this morning in the Bible app that I worked through. That was the verse of the day. The group was obviously, so there was a reason that I was meant to talk on that today. It's Matthew 28, 18 to 20, he has obviously the Great Commission. And in that, his last few words in the Great Commission is 18 to 20, says, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you till the end of the age. He follows up with that in Acts, which was again part of my study this morning. In Acts 1 verse 8, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And I follow that up with my favorite chapter in probably in the book of John, John 15, where he tells us to go make good fruit. We're supposed to be fruit. Not make just fruit, make good fruit. That's what he's called us to do. Why is that important? Don't raise your hand when I ask you this. How many people said, if young people today, I don't know what they're thinking. I don't know why they do the things that they do. I didn't make those kind of decisions. Don't you lie. <laughs> we all have done it. They're only emulating what they see the adults do. They're only making the same decisions that they've watched adults make as parents, as teachers, as leaders, as people that they trust. They're only doing exactly what they see us do. Therefore, this is really important that not only do we make fruit, we can produce some bad fruit now, but we've got to also produce good fruit. Critically important as we begin to disciple people and we absolutely lead them. Are we committed to it or are we just interested in it? I'm interested in these young people. Again. No, we can't be interested. We've got to be committed. And it's a lifelong journey through all of these things. So the generational leadership, again, it goes back to my children, their children, their children's children. It is more than just this time, this place. They always say sometimes achievement, there's three, there's three forms of, a, of success, achievement, whatever you want to call it. There's achievement. You do that sort of for yourself. When you've achieved something, I did it for me. It's all about me. When you have success, you're able to bring other folks with you. When it's legacy stuff, it goes on when you're gone. And that's what I'm trying to create as we think about young people and bringing them in through our path. Really, really important that we continue to walk through that. 
As followers of Jesus, I think it's really important to examine our actions. Folks don't care about what you say. They do care about what you do. They do follow what you do. Your words matter. Your actions count for everything. It's not our intentions. It's our actions that create our will and give us a chance to have a will. Craig Rochelle is a pastor out of Oklahoma City, and he helped find, found uh, the, the Bible app that um, many of you may use. He says, he says, if it's important, you'll find a way. If it's not, you'll find an excuse. And we always make excuses for what we can't get done in the world today. We always make excuses. Oh, we couldn't do it. Yeah, I didn't have time. Didn't have the resources. You know, whatever it happens to be, we find a way to make an excuse through it. God says, you know what? If it's really important, you'll find a way. First, you'll start with me. Then you'll begin to pour things into your time and your talent and your resources that allow you to move forward and have an opportunity to do that. My mom just passed away. About a month and a half ago, about well, April 26th, we were back in Kansas City. Spent many, many times between basketball season and, and uh, April going back and forth with my mom. She was 87 years old. She was an amazing lady. Uh, had cancer when she was 56 and uh, fought it for 31 years. And the last seven years was, uh, last, about seven years was stage four cancer. So uh, just fought. She was just that ornery, crusty person. Just wouldn't, just had a lot on her plate. She started a food pantry when she was 80 years old. Now, do the math on that. She said, my city doesn't have a food pantry. I'll start one. So the next thing you know, they're producing thousands and thousands of pounds of food twice a week for the people in need in their community. Two days before she passes away, we'd gone back to Kansas City, kind of had gone back, and the family had an opportunity to visit over Easter, and we'd gone back for, to see her, make sure we were with her. And uh, two days before she passes, there's people start coming to the door of the house. And uh, they walk in, and my wife says, Susie, who are these people? She says, oh, this is the board. I'm going to tell them what they got to do after I die. <laughs> yep, go get after them. I got to tell them what to do. Got to tell them what to do. She, um, she, was, she was literally down to her last few hours. And it's, she says, I see the, the, the nurse was there. She says, Susie, you doing okay? What, what can we help you with? She says, there's something that you're hanging on to? She says, yeah. She opens her eyes. She says, I just don't think anybody can do it as good as me. <laughs> and that was sort of the thing that she sort of <laughs> put her at ease and she got it off her chest and it was typical of her. So not shocking that that woman would say that. So my point saying that to you is she was 87 years old and up until her dying breath, she was making a difference. She didn't stop. It wasn't I'm running out of gas. She, she, she kept it on the gas pedal all the way till the very end. Pretty amazing, pretty amazing. So important stuff. How do we do all that stuff? How do we make a difference and how do we move people forward? Got to be joy in the journey. Joy in the journey. Can't be martyrs. Can't be martyrs. I was in the men's basketball bubble, as Buzz said. We were in the bubble for 31 days. We, we lived in room 416 at the hotel. I know it well. It's my favorite room forever had an opportunity to watch a lot of basketball practice, watched a lot of teams compete. The two teams made it to the finals. They were joyful in the journey. The bubble didn't bother them. They loved the game. They embraced the environment. It wasn't about what was going wrong. There was always challenge. The teams that lost were teams that always found a problem. It was amazing. I had a chance to visit with Scott Drew and Mark Few and the Gonzaga coach, the Baylor team. I watched them. Joy in the journey. Matter of fact, the Baylor team on the front of the jersey, it said, Joy, Jesus, others, yourself. But it was on the front of their, on their practice gear, on the front of their practice gear. 
They were easy to please, difficult to offend. Easy to please and difficult to offend. We've got to have resources match expectations. If we have expectations for our young people to be up here, we've got to absolutely put resources that match that. Vice versa. If we've got resources and we've got them up here and our expectations are down here, we're not doing that thing to help young people. Other, I'm not talking about young people. Anybody that we're trying to lead to Jesus, we cannot have those two things. They've got to match up. Resources much match expectations. We've got to have a chance to have those same conversations. My wife always tells me, she, one of her favorite lines is, make good choices. Choices are really important, right? They have consequences. We choose what matters most to us, don't we? Not just now. We want to make sure we choose what matters most, not just at the moment. We can't conquer what we don't confront in our choices. So we've got to make sure that whenever we have tough choices to make, we confront them. We confront them. We've got to equip folks. We've got to equip folks, family, children, employees to launch them. We're asking to try and launch new people into different spots in this world. I don't care if they're teachers. I've got two school teachers. Those are the ones in San Diego running today. They're both school teachers up in Indianapolis. I've got a, a daughter who is in coaching in college or high school athletics. My son's in college athletics. We've got folks in business enterprise. McKenzie's in business and people making a difference in different lines. Where it doesn't matter where you are, but you've got to equip people to launch them into the next deal. That's why I'm so proud of the seven folks that have left our program. You say, well, you're proud of them? Yeah, I am. I'm glad they've gone. They're now working their programs and doing their deal, and they're raising good leaders. I hope. I hope that's what they're doing. I think they are. They're doing good work. The other piece I would say is in order to make this thing work and to be able to be good disciples for Jesus, we've got to understand and find balance in life. What does that mean? We can't live in polar spots. We've got to find a way to, to, to meet God exactly where he wants us to be and then be able to go out and meet people where they are. And that takes sometimes a little give and a little take. It's not easy. It doesn't mean we can always stand on one side and just make sure that we're emphatically right. We've got to match up some balance between competence and character. Being in initiative and proactive. Being a really aggressive person and being collegial. Developing folks individually. Building a team together. There's pieces for all of that. Work ethic. I hear it all the time. This guy's got an unbelievable work ethic. Really? He has no life balance, but he's got great work ethic. So his family's falling apart over here. Meanwhile, he's just having unbelievable success. Or vice versa. Got great life balance, but the guy won't work a lick. Got to find balance in all of that. Can do attitude and risk management. You got to find a way to balance those things out. But the most important one, we all want the rights, but we don't want the responsibilities. We all want to be called a disciple of the Most High God, but we don't want the responsibilities that go with it. Uh oh, those go together. Those go together. I got to do both those things. I've got to accept and embrace the rights of everything he's given me, but also have a responsibility. He commanded me in Matthew to go out. He didn't say, please do it. I'm asking. He commanded. He commanded. And then he gave us the Holy Spirit to go do that to produce good fruit. There's a golfer by the name of Jordan Spieth. You may or may not be familiar with him. Um, if you like the game of golf, fascinating story. 
rock star golfer at the age of 19, 20 years old, won the, two, won mass, the Masters, the U.S. Open. The, he's just remarkable, young career, and then he hit a drought. And it wasn't for lack of effort. It wasn't for lack of trying. It just went south. The skills went south. And for a period of time, he couldn't hit it anywhere. And he went through a little bit of funk as he washed up at age 23 or 24. Think about that one now. You're saying you're washed up at 23. All right? He hears all that in today's world, in today's landscape. He talks about, you know, the, you know, how difficult that was. They asked him, he finally won a tournament about a year ago, or eight months ago. And asked him what it was like to, to get out of the drought. And he said, how'd you do it? I wrote down some notes as he did his interview. He says, you know, he said, I was consistent. I was, incons I was consistent every day. I stayed consistent. Let me go back to the biblical part of that. In the word every day. That's what being consistent looks like. He says, I, I was around good people. I kept being around good people. That's what we're asked to do. Disciple one another, be around each other, take good care of one another. And out of that, we build out and we go find others and we continue to bring them into the family of God. Be informed. He says, I kept learning. I wanted to continue to learn, be a learner. You heard that before earlier in my comments. Continue to learn, be a learner. Don't stop spending time in the Word. Don't stop finding new ways to do God's work. Fourth, he said, I was resolute. I just wasn't going to quit trying. He goes, and failure just kept happening. I kept missing cuts, and I just, but I just figured I'm just going to be resolute, and I was going to keep trying. But I think that's what God calls us to do is keep moving forward one step at a time. I can, Buzz, again, alluded to my mountain climbing days. If anybody's climbed a little bit, most of those things are slogs. They are not sprints, and it is literally one foot in front of the other, moment by moment, just sort of working your way up a mountain. Just be resolute, and you keep going with what you've got. And the last thing and part of all that is that God calls us. doesn't call us to do the easy stuff. He doesn't need us to do the easy stuff. He needs us to do the hard stuff. And that's what he's asked us to do. He's challenged us, commanded us, given us the resources to do the hard stuff. We can all sit on the couch. We can all sit on the sidelines. Anybody can do that. That's not what he's asked us to do. My mom didn't sit on the sidelines at 87. She was doing hard stuff. He challenges us to do hard stuff. He calls us to go wherever that is for you. He calls us to teach, to be generational leaders. It matters. Why? Because people are worth it. We're worth it. A man gave his life on the cross because we're worth it. And he knew exactly what he was walking into. We're worth it. Therefore, others are worth it. And we must, we're not asked, but commanded to go do his work. He calls us to produce good fruit and bring people to Jesus. And I'll close with my favorite verse. And again, it sort of aligns with some of the things I've talked to. One of my favorite verses, Micah 6 a says, He's shown you what is good and what does the Lord require of you. Three things. Three things. He says, to seek justice. He said, do what's right. Do what's right. As he's commanded us, do what's right. Two, to love mercy. Boy, we love to be forgiven, but it's really hard to extend that grace and forgiveness to others, isn't it? 
We need to forgive others, even when it isn't easy. I've walked off the field many, many a time to a, a, some really nice comments when we lose. <laughs> or I'm not serving the proper refreshments at the game. Or <laughs> Forgiveness is hard. We're supposed to forgive. And then the last one is to walk humbly with your God. And that's the commission. That's how we walk. We walk with him humbly, knowing in a trusting way that he has got us right where he wants us. And I've never felt more sure that we're right where we're supposed to be in Kentucky. We feel very comfortable that this is our ministry field and this is the place that God called us to work. And we're really, really excited about that and happy about that. And I don't know how long they will keep us in the chair to do this or how long we want to do that. If the landscape is changing, there's things that change. But I do know this, much like my mom and my, my wife and others that have been around me, we're going to work at it in some way, shape, or form to hopefully continue to bring people to the kingdom of God for as long as we have breath. And that'll be really important to us. I appreciate the opportunity to live in your community. It's awesome. I appreciate the opportunity to spend time with you today. I celebrate your 234 years of giving to this community, to this church, but more importantly, to the kingdom work that, that you do here. And uh, thank you so much for your time. I wish you all the best and look forward to seeing you in and around. Thanks so much. God bless. to the message that you've heard. I'm so grateful that we were challenged to bear fruit. Jesus said in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, he said, you can do nothing. So we must remain in Christ in order to bear fruit. And then beautiful words, make good choices, good decisions, the greatest decision any of us can make is when we decide to give our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ because that's the only decision that will last for eternity. Everything else is temporary, but that decision is for eternal life and eternity. And if you're here today and you've not given your life to Jesus, what are you waiting for? Why not now? And um, life goes by so quickly. And then we look through the rearview mirror and say, I should have, or I could have, or I wish I had. Why not now? Why you are able to make the greatest decision of your life and come to Christ? Or maybe you're like Martha, and Martha said, you know, I just needed a, a, a fresh start, a, a rejuvenation, a rededication of my life. And maybe you've been a follower for years, but you've not been living for Christ. Won't you come back home on homecoming Sunday, anniversary Sunday? Come home to the Father, and when you do, his arms will be open wide to receive you. Or maybe you're looking to join a church family. This is a special place, not only 234 years old, but this is a church of love and 
and acceptance, and we're all fellow strugglers trying to make it through on this journey. And we sure try to have a lot of joy in the journey as we make our way to our heavenly home. So however the Holy Spirit leads, know the Lord has been waiting for you and waiting for me. Let's don't keep him waiting any longer. Won't you come as we sing a hymn of commitment? The Savior is waiting. Won't you come?
so uh, happy uh, to welcome these uh, folks that have come today making a decision for Christ. First, I'm going to ask Mary, if you would come here beside me. Do you prefer Mary Jo or Mary? Either. Either or. <laughs> Friends call her Mary. Enemies call her Mary. So either <laughs> one's fine, right? right? She doesn't have enemies. So grateful today that Mary uh, comes to unite with this family of faith, uh, coming from another uh, denomination, and she wants to come today not only to join, but she'll be following through Believer's Baptism. And I'm so grateful, Mary, that you have come to, to be a part of this family. I know you and Debbie Gilbert have become good friends, and I know she's been a support to you. And so grateful today that Mary comes. And I know you want to pledge your love and prayers and support to Mary as she unites with this family of faith by letting it be known by saying amen and applause. We welcome you. You may be seated. Gloria, if you would come up beside me, I'm so grateful today. Gloria Cheek has been attending here off and on for quite a while. And I'm so grateful that today is the day that she wants to unite with this family of faith coming from a sister church. And we welcome you and know that God has led you here. And I know that uh, today that you are uh, rededicating your life to Christ as well. And we are so thankful, Gloria, for your decision. And I know you want to pledge your love and prayers to Gloria as she unites with this family and recommits her life to Christ by letting it be known by saying amen, amen, and applause. Thank you. And Z, I'm going to ask you to come up here beside me. And I'm so thankful that uh, Z comes today. And and uh, Inga, this is your son. And... and uh, and Larry's stepson, and today he comes to make a public profession of his faith in Jesus Christ. And uh, he said he had invited Christ into his life on many occasions, but he wants to follow through and be baptized and uh, make a fresh start in his life. And we are so proud of you. And I know the angels are, are rejoicing in heaven. I know you want to pledge your love and, and prayers and support to Z by letting it be known by saying amen and applause. We welcome you. Bless you. You may be seated. And I'm so grateful that Darren came forward today as well, wanting to, to live his life for Jesus and to be a witness to others. And I know maybe there are others of you who have made decisions in your heart. It would be mine, our privilege to pray with you about whatever spiritual decision you have made. Feel free to call the office or email us. But what a awesome, what a wonderful day this has been. To God be the glory for the great things he has done.